excited we got a couple getting ready for the next service get baptized in our final service we've got a couple to be baptized today and uh, I absolutely love love Sundays and uh, we've got a lot of great things going on I was glad that Larry mentioned a couple things close to my heart I don't want to be redundant he made the announcements but man I want to share with you I'd really love for you to be here Friday night it would mean a lot to me it would mean a lot to the other men in our church to be able to fellowship with you and so we're going to have a great time together, and uh, we'll eat good, and that's a big part of it, but that's not the biggest part of it. The biggest part's the fellowship we get to enjoy, and uh, I know that you'll appreciate Dave Delaney. Well, last Sunday night, we had uh, a fantastic, fantastic time together. I love Sunday evenings at Coastline Baptist Church. They let me out of my cage, you know. On Sunday mornings, I have to have a, a degree of decorum and appropriateness. On Sunday night, they let me preach like a wild man, and last Sunday night was our team night, getting ready for Easter weekend, and we had... Uh, a fantastic time and tonight at 5 30 we're going to be doing something very different than we do on a Sunday evening we're going to get together we're going to worship the Lord for a bit we're going to hear a few words from JJ who's going to uh, give just a very few words to get us started tonight and then we're going to let this be an evening where as a church we do the stuff we hear taught about all the time this evening we're going to have outreach we're going to uh, uh, identify some folks in our church that need some encouragement we'll have an opportunity for those who'd like to make an encouraging visit to do that and we'll tell you all about it we're also going to have a time tonight to take care of some uh, projects around the property, some cleanup type projects. And so I would invite you to come. It's going to be a great time. It's a work night for our church. And so we're going to get out in the community. And uh, here's what I believe about Jesus. He's so awesome that everybody deserves to hear about him. Okay. Now, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag as to what I'm going to share on Resurrection Weekend. But I think most of you guys already know this. Okay. So spoiler alert. Here's the, here's the news. Jesus is alive. All right. He literally died on a cross. They buried him. Three days later, he rose again from the dead, and that's the message we need to get out. And so, with all the great things coming up, we wanted to set tonight aside as a, as a season, as a moment in time where as a church we can mobilize and let many people know that. And so we're looking forward to that. So guys, Friday, I'd love to see you. And all of you tonight at 5.30, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our service. Many of you know that last weekend, we received a special offering as a church. And I'm so grateful, man. We got off to a fantastic start. And uh, we were having a deacons meeting yesterday, just talking, rejoicing in the good things God's doing. And, and we were reminded that last year, almost 20% of our offering came in the week after we actually received the offering. So we're going to keep this thing going. I look forward to coming next Sunday and telling you all about it and how it went but uh, for today I want to thank those of you that had faith and trusted God to give and uh, for those of you that maybe you're uh, you were away last week or you're just hearing about it in the seat back in front of you is an envelope like this a place where you can indicate your offering and for those of you that want to join uh, our family and many others who will be giving over the course of the year to help with this important need you can indicate it there drop it in the offering plate and uh, you can be added to the number of those that believe that God has great things in store for the future of our church and uh, I know that that would be absolutely fantastic. So I praise God for that. I can't take all the time on a Sunday morning to do all the things I'd like to do, but next week I'll give you an update. And then I look forward to getting back with the various groups in our church in our connection group times, and I can give you a better update exactly what happened and what that means and where we can go uh, because of it. And uh, it's all good news. And so I wanted to mention those things to you. I'd like to invite our ushers to come today. We're going to prepare to receive our offering. And we thank God for the occasions to have a special offering. 
but we know that it's the week in, week out faithfulness of God's people that allows us to do what we do as a church family. And so for those of you that worship God in your tithe, uh, I praise the Lord for you. I know the Lord sees what you do and God honors those who honor Him. And uh, maybe today that's something on your spiritual life that has yet to become a regular part. Let me encourage you, put God to the test. He will never disappoint you. That song we just sang, He'll never let us down. And you can trust God in every area of life, including this way. So let's thank God today for the privilege we have of giving to Him. Lord, we are thankful to be in this place on this day and uh, I thank you for this early service on a time change weekend. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. May we be sensitive to your word. And as we give, may it come from hearts that rejoice in who you are and that which you've done for us. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll be this morning. Colossians chapter 3, and it's great to see you here. I love coming to church. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was a little bit groggy. I thought, well, at least I'm going to a good place. And I love coming to church for a couple reasons. One, I love what happens here. I love the opportunity to worship the Lord, the opportunity to open the Bible. Another reason I love is I love who I get to worship with. And I'm glad that you guys are here. I was born on a Wednesday. And that Sunday, the first Sunday of my life, my mom took me to church. And that really just became the routine of our household. We never had a vote each weekend. Are we going to church? Or uh, as, as a young person, I never got to decide, am I going to go with the family today? In our household, it was just kind of part of it. I guess if you like things like food and shelter and clothing, if you were a kid in our home, you were just going to go. And, uh, and yet I loved going. And I love going for a lot of reasons, to be honest with you, as a little guy, I probably enjoyed spending time with my friends and running around and cutting up, and uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed probably the snacks in our junior church and Sunday school classes. We'd have snacks, and I was all about those, you know, and I'd hang around afterwards, see if there was any left, and I'd get into those and, and uh, enjoyed that. I liked the game times, and uh, normally we'd have a lesson. When the lesson was done, the teacher would ask questions, and we'd play some kind of a game, and I always really uh, enjoyed that, but uh, I want you to know, I also enjoyed the stories in the songs that we sang and one song that we sang in Sunday school when I was growing up a song you've probably heard of it was a song called this little light of mine and I'll spare you my version of singing that song I considered singing it for you today and uh, I thought that would probably be a bad thing you all would be running for the exits maybe but but uh, it, it's a it's a great song and it, it talks about really just letting our light shine and it talks about letting it shine all around the neighborhood and then letting it shine till Jesus comes. But the value that we have as Christians of letting Jesus live through us. And that song was taken from a story that Jesus shared. And I'm going to get to Colossians in a moment. But in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, Jesus said this, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
And it's really in this spirit that we're going to invest a few weeks in this series. I'm just calling Let It Shine. Let It Shine. And we want to discuss the various ways in which we can make an impact with our lives for God. Now, as you know by now, we're only a few weeks away from Easter, and I don't want anyone to have to wonder why this series at this time. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to be investing the next three weeks to share with you principles from the Word of God that will allow you to do what I believe, if you're a Christian, you already want to do. We want to let Jesus live through us to the point that we can bring others to the Lord. We want our light to illumine the way, if you would, for those who have yet to meet Jesus Christ. And so for these next three weeks, we're going to talk about how we can be a light for Jesus at work, how we can be a light for Jesus with our friends, how we can be a light for Jesus the third week with our families. And I'm very excited about that message on how we can be a witness to our families. And probably those are people you love, you care about. And if you have loved ones that don't know Jesus, we're going to have a great time getting in the Word of God, finding a biblical path for how we can reach out to those who've yet to meet him i remember sitting with some men from our church around a breakfast table some time ago and we were just enjoying the time together and we were talking and and as we were talking i asked him i said man is there is there something that i haven't taught on that you might think is interesting a passage of scripture or a topic i remember one of the men around the table he said you know pastor we spend just about the majority of our time at work he said i haven't heard you teach on how we can be a christian on the job when he said that, I thought to myself, you know what, he's absolutely right. I guess I haven't preached a message on, on sleeping either. We spent about a third of our time there and uh, about a third of our time at work. And I thought, that's a valid point. We spend a lot of our times on the job. And I think it's important for us to know how we can live for Jesus on the job. So with this series of Let It Shine in Our Minds, I want to begin with a Bible message on how we can let the light of our lives shine for God while we are at work. And we're in a passage here in Colossians that deals with so many of the relationships that we have in life. In fact, the verses just before the ones we'll be reading today, we would learn how to be good husbands or wives or children or parents. And, and as the Apostle Paul turns the corner in that which he's sharing, he begins to teach us how we can live for Jesus while on the job. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we read God's Word. Colossians chapter 3. And uh, again, I'm so glad you guys are here. And uh, this is a fantastic time of year. And I'm looking forward to sharing this series with you. Can I encourage you with this thought? Let me invite you to get on all three of these messages. Now, maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, I, I don't uh, uh, work. Maybe I'm retired or I'm just not working at this moment. You'll find every principle is immediately applicable to wherever you are in life. That's the beautiful thing about the Word of God. There's not one verse that can't help us in one way or another. Uh, we might get to the end talking about family, and you might say, you know, every family member I know, they're, they're a believer. Well, those principles will be applicable to other areas, but each of these messages will let us know how Jesus can live through this. And I really do believe if you're a Christian today, that's your desire. And so I'm glad to bring a series of messages that's going to help you do what you already want to do. And so today, Colossians chapter 3, I'll begin reading in verse 22. The Bible says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleasers but in singleness of heart fearing god and whatsoever you do do it heartily as to the lord and not unto men knowing that of the lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the lord christ but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons Today I want us to look to the 
Lord's Word and determine how it is that we can live for Jesus on the job. Our Father, thank you for this day. And again, I thank you for each person in this room. Bless them mightily. I pray that this study would be very helpful and uh, relevant to where we are and that you'd be honored in it. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. As it turns out, Americans work a lot. A lot. In fact, compared to other leading economies in the world, we spend more time at work than any of them. There's not another country in all of the world where you can find people who work more than American people work. The average American works about 34.4 hours a week, and the average full-time employed American works about 47 hours a week. Recent studies have shown that 85% of working men and 66% of working women spend more than 50 hours each week while on the job. The International Labor Organization, which is a part of the United Nations, conducted a study. They love to do studies, don't they? And uh, they conducted a study, and their study revealed this. Americans work 137 more hours per year than their Japanese counterparts. More than 260 hours per year than their British workers. More than 499 hours per year than, than French workers. Of course, I wasn't surprised to hear that. They just drink wine, wear berets, and eat bread, I think. But uh, at any rate, don't worry about it. I've got a little French in me. But uh, I, as I read that, I thought there's a lot, of, a lot of information we could extrapolate from that. We live in a day where we're doing more than just about anybody in terms of, of work and time on the job, and, and yet there's a great point to be made with this thought. If we don't live for God in our workplaces, we'll be missing out on one of the greatest opportunities that God has given us in our entire lives. It's a place where we spend so much of our time and so much of our effort. You see, sharing Jesus is a relational thing. And for many of us, we spend more time with our coworkers than even with our family members. By the time we get home from work, we have a few hours before we're maybe putting the little ones to bed. And so these relationships at work are of utmost importance, and God has placed them in our lives. And it's a great occasion for us to let his light shine through us. Jesus said that we're to allow the light of our lives to shine for him. And there's no way we can do that in a meaningful way if we don't let that light shine on the job and you need to know there really is a right way for that to be done there's a right way for people of faith in a work setting to let the testimony of their life tell a story so if you have your outlines nearby today that are provided on the back of your worship guide i want to work through a very practical message not an emotional message but a very practical message that can help us tomorrow morning when we're getting up and making our way into the workplace. Here's the first thought we learn from the Word of God. If we're to let our light shine on the job, it begins with this. We need to understand who we serve. We need to understand who we serve. Now let's look again at verse 22. The Bible says this, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying this, we have an obligation, a moral obligation, if you would, to be diligent workers on the job. We are to follow the lead of those that God has put in a position of leadership in our lives. He said, do what your boss would have you to do. Now, I can think of three questions that really would emerge when I looked at these verses and studied for this message. Several questions came to the surface very quickly. Here's the first question that came to my mind, the question of just the word servants. Servants. 
I've heard people who are critical of the Word of God, and many times they'll make statements that reveal that they haven't actually read the Word, they didn't understand the context, and, and some people would say, boy, it sounds to me like the Apostle Paul's condoning uh, servitude, and he's condoning slavery, and, and such, and, and listen, here's the reality, the Apostle Paul lived in a day and age where there were servants everywhere. In the Roman Empire at his time, there were 170,000 different people who were involved as servants. And so Paul was doing what I'm trying to do today. He was addressing the culture in which he served. And he dealt with this topic of, of servants. He was addressing the need of his time. A second question that came to the sur surface is, is this. What if my boss, my supervisor gives me something to do that's not the right thing to do, what then am I supposed to do? The Bible here says I'm to obey my master in the flesh. So what if they lead me to do something that's not right? Well, I like to put it this way. If it's fattening, immoral, or unethical, don't do it, okay? The Bible's pretty clear in Acts chapter 5 and verse 22 that says this, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. So we don't find in these words a command to do something that's wrong. If a boss or a leader or an employer would lead you to do something that's contrary to your, your convictions, what you believe to be right, I believe we have a biblical, a biblical pattern, a basis for saying, You know something? I, I'm just not free to do that. I don't have the liberty to do that that I think is wrong but here's the third issue that i believe settles them all we have to deal with this matter of who am i really serving while i'm at work and throughout this passage the emphasis is on the fact that if you are a christian while at work you are serving god he's the one you're serving in verse 22 the bible says we're to serve in singleness of heart fearing god and in verse 23 the bible says do it heartily as unto the lord the bible goes on there to say this for you serve the lord christ and when you nail this principle down it'll give you a freedom and a joy that you can take to work with you listen you may be serving a boss or a board or investors or customers but we are to do what we do as unto the lord and you talk about letting your light shine at the work at the workplace when you come to the point where you say you know something i'm doing what i do today because of my love for god and i'm going to treat other people with respect with dignity with kindness with grace with mercy i want to be the greatest help i can possibly be i may be serving a person but i'm doing it as unto the lord listen your testimony has a power when you say i'm going to do this for the glory of god i've had some good bosses in my life i've had some poor bosses in my life but you know, when I really figured out that what motivated me and got me going in life was not necessarily the direction I received from a supervisor, I was doing it for the Lord, it freed me up to view my job as a place, not just of work, but of worship. It was an opportunity for, for me to say, you know something, I'm going to do everything I do for God. And yes, there's some people in my life that are calling shots in this arena, but I want to make sure that I'm doing this for the Lord. It gave me an opportunity to have joy rather than feeling browbeat or beat down by those that were giving me assignments to do. I could have joy in my heart and say, you know, I want to handle this in a way that would be pleasing to God. And it changes the way we look at work when we understand who it is we serve you see the importance in your task is not in the task itself the importance is found in the one for whom it's being done and when you do what you do for god that makes everything you do of utmost importance understand who we serve here's the second thought this morning serve with all your heart 
serve with all your heart. The end of verse 22 on into verse 23 says it this way. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. I heard a statement years ago. The statement was this. Wherever you are, be all there. Be all there. Let me encourage you. When you're on the job, be all there. Have your head in the game. Be ready to go. Serve with all of your heart. My daughter Julie finished college in, in uh, December. She hasn't walked yet. She'll graduate officially in May, but she finished college in, in December, and, and she came home. Uh, many of you know she's going to get married this summer, and her and her uh, husband-to-be are going to move to Fontana to help with our church plant there. But uh, she came home, and she needed a job. And uh, she began to look around, and God opened some doors, and she got her first after-college job. And uh, she was excited about that, you know, and uh, she wanted to sit down and talk about it. And Julie, she likes to sit down and talk about everything. So we sat down and we talked and, and uh, she was all excited. She was asking me questions and, and she asked me, she said, Dad, how do I do a good job on the job? And I said, well, listen, if they ask for three, you give them four. Say yes, sir. No, sir. And uh, I, I said, listen, you cannot lead late, Julie. I talked to her like that. <laughs> you cannot lead late. If you don't have enough character to get to, to, to get to your job on time, you don't deserve a job. I talked to her just like that. So you get up in the morning, you get in your right frame of mind, and you show up to work ready to go. You can't lead late. You must be on time. And uh, she said, okay, and she's taking all this in. And her first day at work rolled around, and afterwards I knew she'd want to tell me how it went, and I'd want to know how it went, and we talked. And, and uh, she said, Dad, I got there so early, I parked my car, I waited for a while, I walked across the street to a coffee shop, came back, I was still 20 minutes early, and I said, good girl, you did it, you know. That was a win. She did it. She, she got to work on time with the, with the right spirit. The Bible speaks of people here who do what they do with eye service as men pleasers. These are people who try to look busy when the boss is around, but not so much when the boss is not around. But again, when you realize that you do what you do for God, it will lead you to serve with all of your heart. Why? Because God is always there and God is always observing. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9 says it this way, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Let me share something with you this morning that I, I want you to have it nailed down in, in your heart in the most profound way possible. Your job, your, your work is not a part of your secular life and church a part of your spiritual life. Everything is spiritual for the Christian. We can't break our life up that way. Everything's to be done for God. Let me put it this way. Your job is no less important, spiritually speaking, than my job you see i'm supposed to get up in the morning and i'm supposed to have a good work ethic and i'm supposed to do everything we're talking about today because i'm supposed to be doing what i do for the glory of god and so are you your life is a spiritual uh, your work rather is a spiritual part of your life we serve god he deserves our best i heard of a man who was out of work and he was walking around town and he saw in one business, it said, no help needed. Apparently, a lot of people had gone there asking for uh, an application and so forth. It said, no help needed. And he looked at that sign. He said, this place would be perfect for me. I offer no help at all when I'm on the job, okay? And, and unfortunately, that's the testimony of a lot of people. And it would be a shame for someone who names the name of Christ 
to have a testimony as someone who's not dependable, not trustworthy, not hardworking, not prompt, not honest, not consistent. Work is a gift from God. Listen to this. If it weren't for work, rest would be a miserable thing to do. God gave us work. It's a gift. It's a wonderful thing. And we need to understand that we're doing it for His glory. It needs to be done with all of our hearts. That leads us to the final thought this morning. I want to encourage you with this. Trust God for the results. Trust God for the results. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. You guys are very still this morning, okay? And uh, I knew you'd catch up on that extra hour. I just didn't know it would be this early in the morning. But we've got to trust God for the results. Here's what the Bible uh, says, and we'll uh, make our way through uh, verse 24 and 25. The Bible says, Knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. There's some beautiful truths in there, but I want to really stick to the uh, topic of, of living for God on the job. And I want to encourage you today to trust God for the results. I want to give you a couple encouraging verses that can help us as we think of this thought together. Psalm chapter 75 gives us back-to-back verses, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what God says. Promotion cometh. Neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, he setteth up another. And friends, you never go wrong in your work life by recognizing ultimately it's God that we serve, that we're to do so with all of our hearts, and then we can rest in him for the results that he will bring. As Americans, we're all taught that all men are created equal. And some have mistakenly taken that to mean that all people are the same. We're not the same. We're very different. There are distinctions. Uh, I, I remember thinking, well, all people are more or less the same. And I met some very smart people. And I realized I'm not near as smart as they are, okay? Some people just have a massive IQ. I mean, they have a lot. Some people, uh, IQ aside, there are some people that have incredible wisdom, and discernment. A lot of, how many of you met people that know stuff, but they don't have wisdom, okay? So it's good to know stuff. But there are people I know, they know stuff, and they have wisdom. Some people are incredibly strong physically speaking. We're not all the same in that regard. And the reason I'm sharing these things with you is to help you understand. We're all running a unique race in our lives. I'm not running against you. You're not running against me. Uh, Some people are more tenacious in life. Some people are more passive by way of their personality. But when you realize there are differences and you realize we're all running our own races, you then understand that the race of your life is against the potential that God has built into you. I'm not competing with another person. I'm trying to live up to the potential that God has put in my life. And friends, you can win that race anytime just by living as Jesus would have you to live. The Bible says there's no respect of persons. God does not favor one over another just because of our pedigree, our societal status, or our job description. God doesn't look at us and say, I love that person more because they're more successful in a work environment. That's not how God works. As we live out our faith on the job, God can put us exactly where he would have. And he can lead your boss actually to do God's will. 
God can do that. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Now I want to encourage you today that success in life, it's not found in a financial number or in possessions. It is found in contentment in who we are in Jesus Christ, coupled with an intensity to do our best for the Lord with the gifts and opportunities that he's put in our lives. And when you do that, what you do in life is then done for him. It's done with him. It's done by him. And I believe you'll see his favor at work in your life. To really get the context of this study this morning, I want to take you back to see how this chapter begins. I want you to go back to Colossians chapter 3 and let's look at verse 1 together. Colossians 3 and verse 1. If you see that verse, say amen. The Bible says, if... You then be risen with Christ. Now, I'm going to read on, but that conditional word, if, should make all of us say, hey, do I really have a relationship with God? Because that's what Paul's getting at. He said, if you then be risen with Christ, do you have that new life in Christ? Are, are, you, are you born again spiritually? So he's saying there, if you have that relationship with Jesus, he said, here's what you do. You seek those things which are above where christ sitteth on the right hand of god set your affection on things above not on things on the earth isn't it amazing that paul said in that chapter here let me tell you how to do a good job in these in these things that are on the earth you do it by making sure that your affection is set on those things that are above living for god we're being taught that when we're at work, there's something more important than the job we are physically doing. It's spiritual. It's perfectly fine to enjoy your job. In fact, I would understand there may be occasions where maybe we'd say, this job's not for me. And there's nothing wrong with finding a job that, that you feel better, better suits you. But our passion has to transcend what we do from eight to five. We're not to find our identity in what we do. It should never be if someone asks you, hey, hey, who are you? Our first answer should not be what we do for a living. We should understand our identity comes from Jesus. Jesus what we do for God and the end result of it all is that we gain a testimony in the process that will allow us to share Jesus with others as we grow in our own lives I believe I shared this story some time ago but to me it just fits in perfectly to what we're talking about when I was in college I worked a graveyard shift in a paper warehouse it was called Ingram paper and uh I remember getting a job there, and, and uh, it was a union job, and without any commentary on that, I'll just say that hard work was actually discouraged in my work environment. I literally remember a guy coming to me, and he introduced himself. He said, I'm the shop steward, and you need to slow down. And uh, I thought, this is interesting. This was a new thing for me. As time went on, I kind of felt like, well, if I'm going to work hard, I'll be an outcast, but I just thought I, I owe it to this place to work hard and some of my co-workers literally told me to uh, slow down but I thought I'll, I'll just keep going in the process of it all word spread that I was a believer I won't get into all the details but uh, I'd get done with work about six in the morning and all the guys would hang out in the parking lot and chat for a while and I'd hit the locker room at work and I'd shower up and and I'd go to school. That's how my day would start. I'd finish working in the morning. I'd shower at work. And, and I'd head off to school. And in time, people asked me, where are you going to college? And I would share with them that it was a Christian college, training for ministry and so forth. And, and so I was identified as uh, just not just the guy that worked on the job, but as a Christian guy. I remember the day the owner of the company came there. And 
And uh, as he came and he was walking through, he walked by with uh, our manager, Frank. He managed the graveyard shift. And Mr. Ingram never came into the company, at least in the graveyard shift. But as he came in that night just to look at everything, uh, I remember how fulfilling it was for me, for Frank to uh, come over and share with Mr. Ingram. This is Steve. He's one of our very best workers. And, and Mr. Ingram talked to me for a few moments. And, and Frank told him I was going to school. And he commended me on that. And, and I thought, this is a man I'd never met. But here's my testimony. He at least now knows I'm a believer and, and I'm seeking to do that, which is right. I also remember the day that a guy I worked with by the name of Rudy came to me and he asked for a ride home after work. Rudy was a great big guy and he really was an intimidating presence. And when he told me he needed a ride home, it was implied he was going to get a ride home for me one way or the other, you know. And I remember Rudy got in my car that early morning and uh, I drove from where I was working to Santa Fe Springs where he was living and we talked in the car on the way home and Rudy began to share with me some things he was dealing with and he said, I, I, I know you're a Christian and, and uh, I know that you read the Bible, he knew that about me and, and he began to talk to me about a son of his who was in high school and Rudy was a great big guy and uh, he had a son who was six foot ten who played basketball and had a lot going for him but was getting in trouble and, and he began to talk to me about those things and, and as we got to his home that morning, I remember I said, Rudy, listen, I don't know a lot but I know this, the most important thing in life is knowing that we have a relationship with God and that's the foundation that helps us in other relationships. I said, Rudy, would you mind if I just took some time to share some verses with you from the Bible that have meant a lot to me, they've helped me a lot, and I think they could probably help you. He said, oh, that would be great, Steve. So I opened the Bible and I began to share with him that for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. But I told him that God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and, and as I shared those things, Rudy was nodding in agreement. And when we were done, I, I said, Rudy, what the Bible says is because we're all sinners, Jesus, God the Son, came and he died. And he paid for our salvation by dying on the cross. And if we'll, if we'll put our faith in him, we can receive the forgiveness of sins, the assurance of a home in heaven. And you can know that you have a relationship with God that doesn't start when you die it starts right now and God will help you and all these things we've talked about he said yeah I'd like to pray to trust Jesus so I remember there in his driveway or actually sitting in front of his home he prayed and he accepted Jesus as a savior when we were done praying he took my little new testament and he said I'm going to take this in and show those verses with my wife I remember hearing from him later he said Steve I shared those very same verses with my wife she prayed just like I did now I remember that next Sunday, they were both in church, two people who, who went from uh, really having questions with no answers, the people that still had questions, but the most foundational answer of all had been answered in Jesus Christ. A difference had been made. It wasn't because I stood on a soapbox in a work environment and said, turn or burn. It, it was because I tried to go about my, my work in a good way. I tried to have character. I tried to be dependable. And, and, and my Christianity began to uh, proliferate the environment in terms of people knowing, and it gave me an opportunity to reach out to others with the love of Jesus Christ and I share that story with you today not to boast because Jesus did all of that but to share with you that as you let your light shine on the job you will be shocked how God can use you you may or may not work with someone named Rudy but I'm certain there's someone on your job who's going through something at this very moment and when the time comes that there's someone with whom they need to speak, it very well may be that if you've been living your faith out on the job, that God in that moment will elevate you to the, 
to the position that you get to be an influence to them. You know, something I've noticed about lights is they tend to attract things. I'm not calling your friends bugs today, but I'm saying if you've got a bright light, you will be amazed at what God will bring your way. We're just a few weeks away from Easter Sunday. It's the greatest day of the year for inviting friends. I read an article about the late, great Billy Graham, and in that article they shared that more than 80% of the people who were saved in his vast global uh, gospel crusades, more than 80% of those who were saved that came to know Jesus, they were invited by a friend or family member, and that's how they were able to hear the gospel. And I want you to know, if we kept records as detailed as that, I'd probably share with you today that 80% or more of those who've come to know Jesus at Coastline came at the invitation of a friend or family member who was already attending Coastline. There's no greater time of year than Easter to let your light shine in a way that you can bring people to a place where they can hear of Jesus. I want to encourage you today to live for Jesus, to let your light shine, and then to leverage your testimony by inviting someone to come to a place where they can hear about the Lord. Invest your life and then invite people to come. If someone were to ask me, Steve, what are you doing working over at Ingram Paper? Might have thought, well, everybody needs a job. Everybody needs a paycheck. I could have said, I'm just here for a paycheck. That's the only reason I'm here. And had I said that, I would have been selling what God could do through my life there very short. I'm on a mission from God. God's got me here. There's a, there's a fringe benefit. I get a paycheck as a result. But I get to be here as salt and light. I get to be here as a testimony. I get to be here as a witness. I, I get to load pallets of paper and wrap them in shrink wrap and roll them onto, uh, onto semi-trailers. I, I get to do that for the Lord. He's watching in. He sees what time I get to work. He sees the effort I put into my work. He can use me. There's a reason God puts us in this world. And it's not just to pass the time doing something as inconsequential as earning a paycheck we're to let his light shine through us i'm telling you there's no better time for that to be done than this season this time of the year if someone were to say what are you doing on your job i hope we could quote the apostle paul and say really i'm here seeking those things which are above while i'm working below our Father, we are grateful today to know that you're a God who has a purpose for every single part of our lives. Lord, help us to see there's no insignificant, no inconsequential moment. Lord, uh, we, we may get bored at times in the course of, of a work day, but I pray that we would understand the power found in it, that we would be diligent, and that you would use us to let our light shine even while on the job. Open our hearts today to this truth we ask in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed today, and maybe you're here, you say, Pastors, you shared that message. Thoughts were in my heart, in my mind. Some of you right now are thinking of a coworker. They're, they're going through the divorce. Their child is having a hard time. They're, they're struggling. You're, you're thinking of them, and God's already put a compassion on your heart for them. How awesome would it be if you took time to get a coffee with them, to encourage them, to help them? It very well may be that God would allow you to have a Rudy encounter where you get to say, you know, I don't know everything, but maybe I could share with you what it is that's been of great help to me. How awesome would it be if we let our light shine in that way? Maybe for you it's a volunteer situation, but, but you could say, I want to let my light shine. 
in that environment. I wonder how many of you here this morning would say, Pastor, I long to have a life that is an apparatus through which God can shine. I want to let my light shine for Jesus. Are there those like that this morning by the testimony? Just a quickly raised hand. That's wonderful. You can put your hands down. The premise for this passage was we have to know that we personally have a relationship with God. Paul said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And so we can't seek the things that are above if we don't first know that we have that relationship with Jesus. And let me ask that question to you this morning. Do you know for an absolute certainty if you were to die today that you'd spend forever in heaven? Maybe you're here, you'd say, Pastor, there's just a little doubt in my mind today. And uh, I've got great news. You can be sure of that. Many hands have been raised, and I didn't point anybody out, and I'm going to ask for another raise of hands. I wonder how many of you here today would say, Pastor, you know, I'm, frankly, I'm just not actually sure I have that kind of relationship with God. I don't know that I have that assurance in my life. I wonder, are there those this morning, by just a quickly raised hand, Pastor, others have raised their hand, uh, this is my hand. I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God. I don't mind you including me in a closing prayer as you think of everybody. Are there those like that this morning? Pastor, I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God. Maybe there are other spiritual needs. If you've been saved and you haven't been scripturally baptized since that time, friends, it's a Bible command. That's a decision you need to make. Maybe God's putting in your heart a desire to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. Every, every family needs a good local church. Would y'all be so kind as to join me in standing? Still in a spirit of prayer, I want to end today doing just that, praying talking to God if there's a spiritual need in your life if you don't know that you have that relationship with God or if there's a spiritual decision to make I'll be here in the front I'd love to talk with the others that serve with us maybe today you just need to spend that moment of time in prayer saying God help me in my life to let my light shine maybe today it would be awesome if some of you prayed for a very specific co-worker God help me to invest in their lives and to invite them help me to be that that uh, evangelist if you would that you'd have me to be It'd be great to pray like that the singing's going to begin in a moment and as the singing begins let's turn god's house into what he asked it to be a house of prayer let's take the time to go to god today asking him to work in our lives and if you'd like someone to pray with you as i said i'll be here in the front y'all look this way 
I don't think I could ever do a good enough job conveying to you how important you are to God. How much He loves you. How desperately He longs for a relationship with you. If someone doesn't know the Lord, God wants to have a relationship with them. If someone does know the Lord, He wants it to be growing all the time. And I want you to know how important your life is. God could have taken you to heaven the moment you came to know Him as Savior, if you know Him as Savior. There's just one thing we've got to do down here that we're not going to do in heaven. The, the words in heaven, we know that. We'll worship in heaven. We'll praise in heaven. We'll never have the joy of seeing a lost person come to know Jesus as their Savior in heaven. That's what it's all about in this life. That's the big thing that gets me going. I want to see Christians strengthened, not because I find enjoyment in seeing Christians who are strong. I want to see marriages improved. I want to see parents help. I want to see all of that, but there's a greater end. That, that's not really what excites me. It's just that I know that strong Christians and, and strong marriages and parents that are engaged in the lives of their kids, what happens is you see people come to know Jesus as a result of lives like that. And this is our season. It's our time of year for that. Project Resurrection, we've called it. Now listen, as you leave today, I'm going to ask all of you to do something. It's not a great service unless, unless you've been asked to do something great. I'm going to ask you to do something great today. Now the rain kind of messed our plans up. I'm not sure how it's all going to look as you leave today. But somewhere in the lobby or outside, there's going to be tables filled with invitations for Easter Sunday. Jesus is worthy of us going out of our way to invite other people. And I'm going to ask you, we've broken our city down into uh, approximately 100 homes per map. Approximately 100 homes per map. Some are 50, some are 120, but there are maps out there with approximately 100 homes on them with a stack of 100 flyers. I'm going to ask you guys to take one and uh, pass those out. If we all just did a little bit, we could saturate our entire community. And I'm going to be asking this for each service today. We've got other invitations that are more personally sized. You maybe wouldn't want to take a poster into your workplace to hand out to someone. Here you go, here's a poster for you, you know. But we've got some uh, smaller invitations that'll let people know what's happening here. We've got some yard signs. We've got one in our yard right now. I've already been asked, what's that all about? It's a great opportunity to talk to people about the Lord, invite people to church. Listen, this is why we're here as people of faith. It's to let the world know who Jesus is, why that matters, and what that can mean to them. And uh, as you leave today, we're going to have a great opportunity to do that. So I'm going to ask you to go by those tables and wipe that stuff out, man. Grab a couple maps, a couple stacks of flyers, grab some invitations for your friends, a yard sign, uh, other things out there you can take a look at. Listen, let's do what Christians are supposed to do. Let's not just come to church and sit here and just sit here, sit here and evaluate. Those songs are okay, Pastor, you know, he's about six out of ten today. And just kind of evaluate everything. Listen, why don't we do what Jesus left us here to do? Let's get the good news of Jesus out. So as you leave today, you can grab those. If you can come back tonight, we'll knock some of those out as a church and with the other projects I talked about. It's going to be a great, great day. And so I'm glad you guys are here. You did good. You didn't oversleep the early service. Good for you. And uh, we're going to have a fantastic season together. Next week, we're going to talk about how our light can shine with our friendships. The following week, with our families. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity to have this series. And I want us to worship Jesus on the way out today. This whole process is about lifting Jesus high. 
He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And what we're trying to do as a church is our very best to lift Jesus up so that he can draw others unto himself. So let's sing this song as an anthem of praise to the Lord. Ryan, why don't you lead us?